Hi, Dawson. Hi, Jody. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hey, and welcome. This is episode 12 of the Thoughtcast Conversations about Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, and I'm joined by my brother, Dawson. Hi, hi. And also, Jody Pulaski. Nice to see you all again. Well, welcome once again. We're going to be talking about the sequel to the last movie we discussed last week. Uh, Jody, you were unable to join us for that, but uh, we are honored with your presence here as we talk about How to Train Your Dragon 2 from the year 2014, directed by Dean Dubois. It's uh, 102 minutes long and um, is based on the book series by Cressida Cowell, uh, How to Train Your Dragon. So let's just get right into it. We're excited for, of course, the third part of this planned trilogy of How to Train Your Dragon films. Uh, we'll see if it remains a trilogy. I'm guessing that's, that's the plan still. Um, but yeah, what, um, do any of you have any specific thoughts about How to Train Your Dragon 2? Um, I just watched it today, but I had seen it when it originally came out as well. And I know originally it was in 3D, but I obviously watched it today in 2D on my regular TV. And I love it. I don't know what, exactly what you guys said about it um, in your last recording about the original, but I think that um, this one lives up to the first. Like, if anything, I think the sequel is almost like stronger than the first, especially in terms of like the animation itself. But I also really love the story. So it was a hit for me. I, I love How to Train Your Dragon, the first and the second. Yeah, um, I was extremely looking forward to the film when it came out in theaters because I loved the first one so much. Uh, and I went with a bunch of friends who felt likewise. And we so anticipation was high, high, high. And uh, um, and I tried not to, I just, I don't like doing that in general. But anyway, um, and... I mean, it was really good. It's, it, is, it is really good. I just watched it again recently um, and watched it with commentary. Uh, in theaters, I, I don't know. I didn't feel super invested in it for whatever reason. I think it's a very investment-worthy film for, uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, when I watched it then, I thought felt like there was maybe some weird pacing issues uh, and that the action wasn't uh, super coherent and maybe characters and their motivations weren't really I, I don't know just all like it, it didn't all like work as well as I wanted it to and as it, it probably technically does and it's just on my end for I don't know being a an older more cynical person or something than when I first some than when I saw the first film um, but it's very beautiful uh, it's a, it's one of the, probably the most stunning animated film ever like um in terms of, like you just said, Jody, I mean, the animation, the textures, the lighting, the sets, it's its all just gorgeous. I think it won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Feature at one point, or at least it was nominated for a Golden Globe, the sequel. What were others, what were contemporary 3D animated films? Um, was Big Hero 6 that year? Yes, was that it? was Big Hero 6. 2014 is the year after Frozen. Big Hero 6 was the Disney animated feature. The winner from 2014 for the Oscars was Big Hero 6. It's, yeah, it was the winner, though, of the Golden Globe. Oh, yeah, yeah, best animated feature film. You are right, Jody. Um, the original How to Train Your Dragon, um, I'm trying to check, won several awards. And it was nominated for two Oscars, actually. It, 
It was uh, nominated for Best Achievement in Music, uh, as well as Best Animated Feature Film. And, and it was a nominee for Best uh, Animated Feature by the Golden Globes. Yeah, what, what was the winner back um, from 2010? It was, um, well, for music, it was The Social Network. But for um, Best Animated Feature, that was the year of Toy Story 3. So. Oh, you can't yeah. beat Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. There were actually only three films nominated that year from 2010. Um, or, wait. So that's the original you're talking about, right? Because the, the sequel yep, is 2014. Yep. Okay, yeah, Toy Story 3 was 2010. Um, yeah, the only three films nominated from that year, uh, which were Toy Story 3, How to Train Your Dragon, and uh, The Illusionist. There, so there were no animated films made in 2010 or what? Um, not that were up for awards consideration, I guess. Hmm. Sorry, I got us off on this tangent. I just wanted people to vote on the Golden Globe. <laughs> what? What is going on here? Your computer. No. Um, Tangled was released in 2010. Uh, and no one voted for it? That was it their was, first like, CGI thing. It was nominated for one Oscar, but for music, written oh. for motion pictures. Tangled wasn't even nominated for best picture, my animated picture. Yeah, that I is crazy. Oscars is rigged. Oscars so rigged. And they, they could have up to five nominees, but there were only three that year. But hmm. yeah, so Tangled, yeah, was definitely um, not an Oscar favorite. Maybe you should do a podcast of animated films that didn't get the recognition they deserve, starting with Rapunzel, Tangled. It was nominated for Best Animated Golden Globe um, and Best Original Song. You're nominated for Best Golden Globe, but just not even nominated at all for an Oscar. Like, I, I think since then we've had, haven't we had one animated film in recent years nominated for uh an actual like best picture yeah we just talked about this recently um who did you talk to this talk about this with you and i did a podcast because beauty and the beast was in 91 um Mm -hmm. and then there and then or you you and jody and i all did and then there's only been like one other animated film nominated for best picture since oh toy story three and up received best picture nominations all right. Well, back uh, back to the <laughs> item at hand. Um, okay. So, critically, uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two uh, is is pretty much even with the original. Uh, however, um, yeah, for for me, it it does maybe hold a little less uh, emotional gravitas than the original. Um, I, I kind of felt the same way. I remember in theaters watching it, like there were just a m- few moments of lull and, and maybe a little bit of not not the greatest em- emotional um, purchase. Like it wasn't necessarily connecting as well as as they wanted it to. Um, and, and there are, I guess, a variety of reasons for that, like you said, with pacing. Um, and I don't know, the, it's, it does exist in sort of this bizarre cartoonish world where physics are you know highly uh, variable um you, 
it's hard to know the stakes sometimes you know with with all that said like it um it's a very solid film and and visually stunning but um it has it has its problems too it's pretty busy with subplots like if you you know from beginning to end there's a lot of stuff going on from him discovering that his mom's alive and trying to become like the chief and then you meet those first villains that are catching the dragons and then you find the other villain that's like making those people catch the dragon. So there's like a lot of stuff going on. So maybe you just kind of yeah. lose the, the quality when there's so many subplots sort of soaking up a short time. Cause you lose, you lose some strong characters too. I remember thinking that Astrid was going to play a really strong role in this, but she was basically just his girlfriend. Like they didn't really have enough time to fit everything in. I think she like, she captured uh, Eret and like mm-hmm. tried to lead some rescues and stuff like that. But um, yeah, yeah, like she just wasn't. She wasn't. She uh, a, a big part of the screen time. And I, I was hoping for that too. I was really, I wanted, I wanted more Hiccup and Astrid action. I think when I got to see it, I had no idea that Mom would be a thing at all. Um, and so, and I think Philip and I we talked a little bit about this after just our most recent viewing, but deciding to go in that direction with the story at all was that was that the best decision yeah that is a great question um and full spoilers for the movie that it did just add yeah jody of, of the mother you uh you mentioned it it just seemed really busy and when you, you introduce a character who's basically accomplished the same thing that hiccup has uh, another protagonist character in the form conveniently of his mother um in addition to uh, an antagonist character who has done the same thing so you you now have introduced three communities of of dragons or of, of dragon masters three dragon masters um <laughs> in one film and trying to understand their role um in this world um you know it, it does seem a little bit crowded and and probably would have been better suited to i don't know have um drago be the main focus of the film and and this this film introduces um two uh principal antagonist characters in the form of eret son of eret uh performed by kit harrington john snow from game of thrones and also drago bloodvist who is um performed by Jimon Hansu, uh, the he he was in um, Blood Diamond, plays the Af- African um, co-lead alongside Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's also going to be in um, the upcoming Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Why did they feel the need to to call him Bloodfist? B L U D V I S T. I the whole time I thought it was just Bloodfist, and that's a perfectly acceptable Viking esque <laughs> name. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, it is a kind of a ridiculous name, but all the characters in this in this series have ridiculous names. Yeah, the lead is Hiccup. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it works. A, I mean, yeah, they they I joke. Yeah, how do they how do they spell Hiccup? Like, I think they spell it the traditional way: H I C U P. Hiccup is recalling the the name because he hears you know the rumor of Drago from. Eret and then reports back to Burke that you know some person named Drago Bloody Fist is on the march, you know, with an army of dragons. Um, and 
then it's revealed that this this character has a history with stoic um and uh there is no reasoning with this character but um hiccup the you know the pacifist that he is thinks that he is maybe the one person who could reason with drago and uh sets off immediately to do so um and then we get kind of we get derailed at this point oh on his way to find him yeah um because um hiccup surrenders himself to Eret um in the hopes of you know being brought back to drago Eret is a dragon trapper for drago he's a dragon hunter um and needs to return to drago with dragons in tow or else he'll be you know tortured we see a, a brand uh, you know on on Eret's yeah. chest kind of a gruesome thing for, for these movies that for was kind of awesome. yeah and he says that if he doesn't come back with dragons like he won't be as forgiving i thought that this villain was like pretty bad it was kind of a i mean good a good villain yeah. because he was really bad. at first i thought it was kind of a slow start because mm-hmm. as the movie went along the first time i watched it i thought that the mom was going to turn out to be a villain and that she was lying i like had the plot totally wrong mm-hmm. so when they introduce the real villain i thought he kind of had a slow start but then once they do his backstory a little more and you can see that he is someone you can't reason with then he got a little more villainous to me mm-hmm. yeah great character conceptions um yeah. and yeah when yeah hiccup tries to surrender himself he's trailed by astrid though um but then she goes along with it um but then and and I thought it might have been better if if they had just left it at that because it was you know I, I like the idea of Eret kind of pulling a, a double cross in a way sort of unwittingly through um, Hiccup's surrender, but um, seeing where that go I, I kind of like the idea of of like the Millennium Falcon being pulled into the Death Star and having to you know work its way out of that unevenly matched situation. Um, but Stoic and um, Gobber come in on their dragons and, you know, free Hiccup. And uh, we, we get the f- great moment with Roughnut, whose hand is being uh, courted by fish legs as well as Snot Lout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want anything to do with either of them, it seems like. Um, there's a lot of little comedic humors with that story, I think. Mm-hmm. They have some like one-liners. I can't quite remember what they are off the top of my bat, but I thought that was a fun. When she, when he launch, launches the net at her, or and his muscle jiggles, and then she says, "Take me!" Like that's <laughs> yes, amazing. Yes, I remember that part. That is, yeah, Kristen Wiig. That's the funniest moment of the film, in my opinion. Hands down. Yeah, the the fish legs and snot lout are like, well, I grew my facial hair for you. <laughs> They've just got this like little baby stubble. <laughs> That's pretty great. And then, yeah, so they don't infiltrate uh, Drago at this moment. Instead, you know, Hiccup, um, he goes off on his own, frustrated, and, and then that's when he encounters his mother, uh, this mysterious rider, uh, you know, we, we don't realize it's his mother until much later, of course, but um, this masked, um, almost dragon-esque. Did you get some, like, Princess Mononoke vibes when you saw her right away? Yeah. yeah. That's really what I cool. thought of, like, when she first sort of came 
you know, walk, not walking, but like moving towards him. And she had that mask on. That's what I thought of right away. Yeah. Some incredible design work. Um, mm -hmm. She's not using a saddle. She's just standing freely on top of her dragon, which is um, the, the type of dragon is a storm cutter. And uh, her dragon's name is Cloud Jumper. We get a lot of new dragon designs in this movie. I mean, in the five or four years between the first and second movie, I'm sure they had lots of time to develop a lot of new designs. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think of the new dragon designs in this movie? I thought it was stunning. And I wish I had watched the original one more recently. But in this one, there must be hundreds of unique different dragons that are in and out of the scenes and I thought they did a great job with all of them they make them look so mm -hmm. I mean not lifelike because it's obviously still an animated movie with these really dramatic eyes and like puppy-like features but mm -hmm. I think they did a great job you know across the board with creating those dragons mm -hmm. it, it feels really believable even from the start where they start with that dragon race mm -hmm. you kind of just get sucked into this world right away and I think it's they did a good job creating it um mm -hmm creating those characters and those those animals. I, you call them animals, creatures? Yeah, no, they're, they're animals. I, it's kind of like Jurassic Park where um, the filmmakers would often refer to the dinosaurs as, as just animals. You know, that's, that's, we're trying to sell that these are real creatures. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie does take place five years after the original. So all the youth characters are aged up uh, a bit and um, there's a, a whole bunch of new technology and um, architecture in Burke, you know, designed to facilitate the coexistence of dragons alongside the uh, Vikings. Um, it's, it's all really cool. Like they're playing this, this game, the dragon racing game, yeah. <laughs> where they are basically treating sheep as basketballs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty That's hilarious. It's really cute. Well, they spent so much time in the original movie, or well, in their original world, you know, trying to fight these dragons. So now they probably have a ton of free time on their hands. So they have to start creating sports because they're no longer right. trying to fight and kill dragons all the time. What do you do with all that violent energy? <laughs> sports. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's real life. If you notice at the beginning, the two um, competitors vying for rough nuts heart are are both scoring points for her <laughs> instead of themselves so she she almost wins but because the black sheep is worth um i can't remember how many points 10, 10 points yeah um astrid manages to score and and win in that initial competition um yeah and then yeah that's when we're introduced to um toothless and hiccup and Hiccup has his new armor, his dragon wrangling suit, <laughs> with, uh, with, complete with a wingsuit um, and, and a mask. And he's off charting the archipelago surrounding Burke. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a bunch of beautiful music and imagery that we're treated to at this moment. There's like some high-flying dragons. There's an interesting dragon design where like, it just had wings. It didn't have, you know, hind legs. Um, it's like a serpentine type of dragon, like a whale. Mm -hmm. Sky, no, like sky a whale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lot, lots of just new, you know, animation has just come such a long way um, since, well, ten years ago. 
And um, you, you definitely see it a lot with this film. Some of the dragons have um, actual scales built onto them. Um, that the, uh, the cloud jumper dragon was the first dragon to actually have individual scales. Um, Skull Crusher is the name of Stoic's dragon. And he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a rumble horn. Uh, part of why Stoic was able to track Hiccup um, was due to the fact that uh, rumble horns are tracking dragons. Uh, they're designed after truffle pigs and rhinos, um, and then also have a high resemblance to scarab beetles. Where did you find that that's what they based it off of? I was curious as I was watching because it's sort of obvious that Tacoothless is sort of like a puppy dragon. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like a puppy vibe. A puppy cat dragon, yeah. Yeah. So did you read somewhere that when they were creating these different dragons that they like were, were taking real animals and like yeah. dragifying them? Is that something that you, you read about when they were creating this and imagining? A lot of it's on the commentary. Okay. Um, and yeah, Toothless is um, primarily based on a cat from, from the first movie, the uh, lead animator. Oh, a cat. I thought it was yeah. a puppy. Well, well he, he behaves like a puppy a lot. They, they kind of, they blended, there are dog lovers and cat lovers, and they just took both of like what makes, you know, what people love about cats and what people love about dogs and kind of stuck them together. So he does play with things a lot like a cat would sometimes, but then he also attacks you lovingly like a dog would. His, uh, his tongue doesn't scrape your skin off of your flesh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a cat would, <laughs> thankfully. You'd think a dragon might have a hard, scaly tongue. Yeah. And, and it's forked, too, at the end. You know, hiccups, or, uh, Toothless got that little fork at the end of his tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, so we end up in the place where um, Hiccup is meeting his mother for the first time. And when, when she captures him, it, it is sort of a violent encounter where uh, Toothless gets sent into the freezing ocean, but... Uh... That part was so sad, but you want to know what pulled me out of the story at that exact moment? What? The Hiccup's, like, iron helmet floats up to the top of the ocean. I was like, wait a second. Why is <laughs> oh. it... You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, that little, like, moment in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, this is a... Crazy yeah, movie. is that something that should float? And it... Floats for a long time because Stoic ends up finding it, and that's how he well, like keeps I, tracking. I think it's primarily made out of hard leather. Oh, do you think so? I thought it was supposed to be like this iron metal like mask. I I think leather would float initially and then sink. I, yeah, I think it also has yeah metal um, attachments as well. Maybe the water starts to film over and freeze over. I, it doesn't look like it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's sitting there for too long before Stoic comes by and finds it. Well, when he tracks Hiccup the first time, you know, maybe just using something from home, uh, but then he tracks him. He's already like in the process of tracking him again when he finds the, or is is Stoic and Gobber just flying home at that point when they find the, the mask? No, they like they literally have to go after Hiccup two times because mm-hmm. he keeps insisting on going after Drago. Um, and yeah, and they also they make a big deal about Toothless like struggling and floundering in the water, and then a few minutes later he's just plopped in front of the mud, you know, with the mud mm-hmm. like. Um, yeah, um, 
Well, because there are underwater dragons that uh, swoop him up and uh, deliver him to the dragon refuge. Yeah. But do you see underwater dragons in the first movie, or is that like a new breed to this one? Because I don't remember them in the first one. I thought they were just like serpents or like Loch Ness monster things, but you're right, they're dragons. But I don't remember those I, from the I don't first. know if we see them in the first one. I'm sure they're, mm-hmm. they're something that was in you know, in, in like a concept phase in the first one, but um, never actually seen. Because there are lots of dragons that we see in the the Book of Dragons sequence from that first movie that just never get fully realized on screen. And and some of those uh, are now brought to life in, in the sequels. Yeah. I wonder if in the next one they're going to have, well, of course they're going to have even more, but... Mm-hmm. Um, in in different environments as well like that from sky to ocean well yeah the next one's called the hidden world so clearly uh involves new locations and yeah i've only seen a really brief trailer about it so i don't have any idea what that one's about but it comes out next month right yep yep i've only seen two trailers too um i wonder if they'll make a really dragony looking dragon in this one if they'll cave in to that or if they'll just keep making their animal hybrid dragon there really haven't been any even in with the new designs in this one like valka's dragon looks just like an owl um mm-hmm. it's got kind of that cool design where it has four four wings it's kind of like an x-wing <laughs> right and the the elephant dragons are I mean, the alphas, they're... The, the bewilder um, They're amazing and cool. I love them, but, like, they're, they're barely, dra- I mean, dragons in any typical sense. Yeah, they, they do look cool. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, yeah, the, you know, Stoic's giant scarab beetle dragon looks, yeah, more insectoid than reptilian. Um, and then Gobber has his own dragon, which is a new type of dragon named Grump, which is a hot purple looks kind of like the Gronkle from the uh, the first movie, but it just uh, it doesn't have like the hummingbird wings. It's a little more... Uh... There's a big <laughs> club on its tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which he uses later in the movie to take out a bunch of guys during the big battle sequences. There are some pretty uh, epic battle scenes in this movie. Yeah, some of the most in- in- amazing crowd and uh, combat rendering and animation ever. Very Lord of the Rings-esque. Uh, a lot of medieval technology, ancient war machines, uh, ships. Um, Clever traps for the dragons and stuff that are meant to bait a dragon underneath a big claw cage that clamps down on them. Um, yeah, there's, there's one level. dragon that gets munched pretty bad by one of those claw cages. Yeah. Munched. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The dragons that bite their tails and roll, set themselves on fire and roll like wheels are pretty... Pretty well. Yeah, I loved those. They're so creative with all of that. Do you know if in the the third one, another five years or whatever is going to pass? No, one year. It's it's only one year. Oh, that's what they're going to do. Okay. What's only one year? The, the time gap between the second and the third. Like, I didn't know if they were going to have. I mean, I didn't know if like the plot's going to be that they're going to be even more grown up, but. Mostly, I was. Well, there wondering. is a shot of him with the big beard, and it's unclear like when that takes place. Hmm. The the shot in the teaser with the bearded hiccup 
is probably like a flash forward that then mm-hmm. um, that's my guess reverts back to the the original timeline because um, yeah i think the main story of the third film is going to be one year after so if drago the- doesn't die do you think that they're going to bring him back that it's oh gosh i um or is it too boring to like well, have the same villain it'd be nice to know what happens to him um i thought he drowned i'm looking it up well they leave it intentionally vague he just falls into the water with the dragon and then hiccup looks for a few minutes and sees nothing but it so here's something um in 2018 jiman unsu appeared in the tv series dragons race to the edge the uh, spin-off show of uh, how to train your dragon and um have you watched any of that i haven't there are six seasons um, wow yeah it's um That's popular this must be a really a lot more popular franchise than i thought i mean i obviously think the movies are good but i don't remember seeing a lot of merchandise or like Maybe there was, but since they were boy toys, I didn't notice them. But I yeah, I know I don't see merchant How to Train Your Dragon merchandise either anywhere. Oh, Maybe because it's you would assume that like there was out there. Really, even at Target, Dawson, you like what about um, that maybe, other I mean, show? A little bit. I bet part of the reason is just the dragon designs are so darn complicated; it's hard to make a toy out of it. <laughs> that could very well be. They can't make affordable dragon toys because all the little things that have to go into it. It's intricate. Hmm. Well, this series uh, ran 2015 through 2018. Uh, It's the follow-up to Dragon's Riders of Burke from 2012 to 2014. So that that preceded the second movie. I'm curious if the series, if he's like 14 or 20, or, you know, because like in the first movie, he's young, and this movie is a little I wonder, I don't know what, what portion that is. So Race to the Edge, I'm guessing, takes place after the second film. Um, so he'd be in his 20s. Um, or <laughs> I guess uh, if he was, what, 14 in the first film, then he'd, he'd be 19. 19. Um, I feel yeah. like that's what he, I mean, that's what he seemed like a 14-year-old boy in the first one to me. But I don't, I don't know for sure if that was his age. Mm-hmm. Uh, are these on Netflix? I'm wondering. The that Troll Hunters show from DreamWorks is on Netflix. It's uh, created by Guillermo del Toro. Um, Dawson, you you brought that up recently. Had you seen yeah. like I saw underwear of it. Okay. At Target. <laughs> That's how I found out about Troll Hunters. Uh, and then also this. Uh, and I don't. I I think this is a Disney. No, hold on. I don't know. But there's this like. Nutella, Princess Knight, or something. Or oh, Nelly! Nelly! No, she's Prince. cute. I yeah. think she was Spanish or something. Or Yeah, she's cute, and she's a knight. She's like not a princess, she's a knight. Very sweet. Well, it says Princess Knight on the package. There's like, well, that was... I, I saw tons of merchandise for this character, but I'd never heard of the franchise before. So, like, is it I a show? I don't think the show did as well as, like... I don't think it did as well as they thought it would do. Because I remember hearing about it a lot at the beginning. And we talked about adding her, but she, I mean, no one's ever asked for her. Okay, so she is Disney. Yeah, uh, or is she Nick? She's Nick Jr., I think. She's like, she's not a Disney princess. She She's Nick. Nickelodeon. Oh, 
Can we get a, a conf- confirmation? On yeah, Nala the Princess Knight is uh, a show on Nick Jr. Nick Jr. Okay, wow. So it's about a, she is a princess, but she also wears armor and uh, has a sword and rides a unicorn. I know. What does That's she so do sweet. with all of That sounds perfect. Like, that sounds like amazing. But what can you do with armor, a unicorn, and a sword in a Nick Jr. show? Probably not a whole lot. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. She, she slays swipers. You're right. She probably just like rides around and like picks flowers and stuff. She yeah right. uses their, her magic sword like a wand, kind of like I don't know. I mean, doesn't um, oh, no. Zelda? <laughs> yeah, or in uh, the Black Cauldron. Aaron. Um, yeah, the Black Cauldron. Uh, Dragons race to the edges on Netflix. Okay, that that makes sense. What what's the main character's name in in Black Cauldron? Uh uh Taran. Taran. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. His sword yeah, has Taran, like uh, he yeah, he gets a sword and it's magic and it casts mm-hmm. spells. It's like when they don't want to show actual eviscerating sword combat, they uh they give the sword magic and then make you um Well and uh Hiccup sword in this movie doesn't necessarily have stab stab qualities it's it is more of a a scepter used for a show than than for fighting right he um uses it he uses it as it's his it's his totem of dragonkin where he is shows the dragons that he's like them because he can wield the power of fire but it is clearly a slashing weapon that deals slashing damage and fire damage Mm -hmm. sorry hiccup I'm hiccuping literally right now. <laughs> it is an imposing. It is. It is awesome. It is one of the more striking visual moments of this film. I'm um, seeing him ignite his sword for the first time. It. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's literally a lightsaber, just medieval Viking That's what style. I would call it. Mm-hmm. And he'd better bury that baby deep into someone's chest in the third film. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's they've a, given. It, no, I mean, think episode one when Qui Gon gets stabbed by Darth Maul, and that's a PG film. PG. See, and I don't know what have Wars? you seen Star Wars episode one? Okay. No, I've only seen the one with the orange um, dragon in the desert when the guy's a kid. Okay, um, that that's episode one when he's a little kid, um, and then the the dragon. You mean Jar Jar Binks? He's like a walking. Yeah, yeah. He's orange. He's a dra- he's a dragon by DreamWorks standards. <laughs> you have Jar Jar wings. Holy crap! No, but he does. his ears like this? He has no. ears. Well, they they they're pointy and jagged like that, but they droop down his back. Uh, it's been that I don't know. It's been like a long time. That's the only one I've seen. Wasn't that yeah. good? That I remember. Yeah, it depends who you ask. Yeah. Um, we'll not go down that rabbit trail. But, but. like, okay, sorry, sorry. No, no um, okay. in terms of, I mean, and the MPAA is actually softer on animation. You can get away with more graphic content in animation than you can in live action for the ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this movie does play it pretty soft uh, for the PG rating. Like, there could so easily, there's, they do this a lot in animation, they could so easily have a scene in How to Train Your Dragon where, you know, it's like a fight, it's a, a, a melee breaks out with armed people or, 
you know, guys are charging at Hiccup and Hiccup, you see him slash and the camera's like on, so you see Hiccup's face and people's backs running towards him and you see them get slashed and they just sort of spin and fall down like that. No blood, blood never like bad sound effects, just, you know, like, ching, ah, ching, ah, you know, like that, they could do that. Yeah, there's there's Um, very little allusion to like any sort of body count or, um, you know, fallen soldiers on the battlefield, which makes me feel a little numb towards this film and and maybe the previous one as well, where, you know, I'm a sucker for large medieval battle sequences on in film, but only if there are, you know, realistic stakes involved. Mm-hmm. And, and this well he just... loses his dad in this one that's a pretty big date yeah yeah they... that's what saves this movie from being you know too much of a disappointment yeah someone good has to die <laughs> but no i i agree with you i think it does sort of make it a little less like not the word isn't real but like yeah believable or believable or you just feel like less invested when you're like okay they spin around they're gonna be okay it's all right yeah you mm-hmm. kind of have a disconnect that might also be because we're adults like because this movie i mean it's it's i think it's probably aimed at everyone because it is such a a well-made animated movie but like they are it is for little kids too and they're not gonna like it more or less if there's blood yeah yeah well there there would probably most likely not be any blood but like i don't know little boys like they love Jurassic Park, people getting eaten, and they love, you know, Star Wars oh. people getting shot, and Lord of the Rings people getting stabbed. But yeah, um, I think a lot of Jurassic World's success is fueled by younger audiences and just, you know, kids and families flocking to the theaters to see dinosaurs. And like, yeah, funny how in context, like, it can be so scary and brutal, but the kids, but the kids love it <laughs> compared to, you know, like war violence which you know you just can't do a world war ii realistic movie for kids um (laughs) no i wouldn't invest money in that film (laughs) i mean there there are multiple normandy homages throughout the how to train your dragon franchise (laughs) so normandy homage (laughs) that's true there's been two now yeah and like if if you're gonna do world war ii you for kids you have to make it a superhero movie like captain america or make it a movie about a horse, like War Horse. But even that, I wouldn't even say is like a kid's movie. That That's it's PG-13, so. Well, so we do have uh, on-screen death in this film. Um, namely, Stoic um, sacrifices himself uh, to defend Hiccup from the uh, mind-controlled Toothless. The first film establishes that um, dragon hive queens are capable of controlling their uh their hive through you know tele yeah hypnosis basically it's they refer to it as a supersonic um communication between the queen and her uh hive and and the bewilder beast dragons in this film there are two of them uh they're capable of the same type of control over all the other dragons that's Um, the second on-screen death is Mm-hmm. When the one of the bewildered beasts gets impaled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them does die, and and that is a, an emotional scene in this film, because these you know are just such rare creatures and, and majestic creatures. Like the bewildered beast is what allows this 
paradise of dragons to thrive up in the Arctic uh, where uh, Valka is um, coexisting with the dragons um, because like the, the ice um, structures that these bewildered beasts are capable of building, like they don't breathe fire, they breathe ice instead. And so, um, you know, he can, this, this creature constructs an entire greenhouse with an indoor oasis uh, in which all these dragons are thriving harmoniously. And yeah, to see that ultimately disrupted and destroyed by, by Drago and his, uh, his evil dragon <laughs> is, uh, is, is definitely compelling. Are ice greenhouses a, a real thing? Like would all the warmth and heat rising from the vegetation and from, and like collecting, I mean, they kind of, they capture heat, right? So. Yeah. You, you would have like ice constantly melting from the ceiling but if it's being replenished from the surface, then then maybe. Or if it's magic dragon ice. <laughs> it's probably magic dragon ice, yeah, that, that can stay solid for longer than, than real ice. And it's green, which is cool. It looks kind of edible. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's dragon <laughs> it's dragon saliva. Yeah. Gelatinous dragon saliva that's been frozen. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's kind of nasty looking too, like that nasty in terms of like just threatening when those yeah. things breathe their ice. Um, you, you feel like anything that's caught, you know, in that wave is just eviscerated because it's all spiky and um, projectile-y. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there is a scene when uh, Toothless and Hiccup get buried in the stream of ice. Um, but Toothless, he does the same move as in the first film where he wraps Hiccup in in his wings and um, is capable of shielding him from, from the onslaught. And then he first... saves Hiccup constantly throughout this movie. Like, Hiccup keeps mm-hmm. jumping off his back and trying to fly, and it's like Hiccup has to constantly come <laughs> this kid. So there's that scene where he's flying with his mom, and mm-hmm. he's like, might feel like a dragon but can you fly and it's like but hiccup you can't eat there like you are just lucky that toothless saves you every single time <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah the so. wingsuit is not the best idea <laughs> <laughs> not the best but it, it's cool i mean it shows that innovative hiccup yeah he's he's got balls big dragon balls <laughs> and he has filled out a bit like he does look like a normal person rather than like a series of conjoined toothpicks so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, i mean he's he's handsome in this movie i mean what you say yeah they compare him um online i've seen memes of comparing him to the guy who plays jim in the office oh yeah like oh, they do exactly a picture of him next to the quiet place version of jim from the office and then they do like this version of him, his 20 year old self next to like the gym, like they do, it's actually very, very similar look. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. So, What's the name of that actor again? Uh, John Krasinski. John? Yes, yes. I'll find it for you guys later, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Astrid looks great, she's, uh, you know, now. She's beautiful and her hair is so detailed in that braid. I couldn't stop looking at it throughout the whole movie. Their details went up significantly so much. Everything from the hair to the eyes to the scales in this one. There's some good shipping feels in this uh, movie, mostly just between, well, uh, between 
Hiccup and Astrid, but also uh, Stoic and Valka. Uh, right. they've, they've got a great relationship in this movie when they reunite. That's like my favorite scene. And she's expecting him to be like mad at her or hold this against her or whatever. And all he says, I think he's like, oh, you're, you're as beautiful as the day I thought I lost you or something like that. And they, it just focuses in on their eyes and the emotion. It, that was a powerful little yeah, spot. Right. In there, I right. Can you imagine being reunited after you think your spouse has? No, that's, that's no, bad. I, I, I certainly would wonder where she's been, but like I, that there's so much forgiveness, which is great mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. It's been almost 20 years. Yeah, she, she was sort of like, you know, Hiccup was in the first movie prior to um, leaving the, the tribe. Um, in that, like she, she did believe that dragons could be um, good. Yeah, they could be good. And and it it does seem kind of bizarre that she would leave her infant son because she doesn't want to kill a dragon that she realizes she has to leave. Kind of. Or what was her main reason for actually taking off in that scene where the no the, the dragon kidnaps her. Yeah. Oh yeah. But why it's, she didn't. Uh, it was, it was, it burst into the room and it stared her down, but it didn't attack her. And it looked at the baby and had a little, like it didn't attack the baby. Like it was, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, I mean, her, runs out and tries to... she is meant to be a little bit eccentric in this movie, which she would have to be in order to not just be relentlessly trying to get back to her son. Her baby's mm-hmm. her baby, yeah, her infant. Um, so she she must have just felt this strange kinship with the dragons that um, superseded that you know, maternal instinct. You might say she's a mother of dragons. <laughs> Played by Kate Blanchett, ingeniously. All the voices were the same um, in the sequel from the original, right? Yep, you have. Gerard Butler returning as Stoic, uh, Craig Ferguson as Gobber, and and yeah, um, I I was going to say like the um, uh, according to IMDb, Jimon Unsu is not in How to Train Your Dragon three, but he is in an episode of the Dragons Race to the Edge series. And it looks like it's a finale episode called uh, King of Dragons Part 2 in 2018. So maybe that's where his arc is resolved um, on, on this series. And uh, you, you have to watch the, the series in order to find out what ultimately happens to him. That'd be worth a check out. Mm-hmm. I... I... Do you, I remember, because I loved How to Train Your Dragon so much, when I found out there was a show, I was like, well, golly gee, g- good, more dragon stuff. And I <laughs> did try watching it, and some of the voice acting was different, and uh, it's so sad to see the animation quality go down. That's what I was going to um, say. I think half the the joy of watching these films is the is the CGI. Like You could almost watch it for the animation alone, even if the plot sucked. So I can't imagine... Yeah. The animation went down, down, down. If I would like a, the sh- the TV show version of it, okay. Yeah, no. Looks like there are thirteen episodes over the course of uh, six seasons. Thirteen, thirteen episodes per season. That's still a lot, oh. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's more manageable than twenty-two. So, 
78 episodes in total. Did they air on like Cartoon Network or? Um, no, it, it is a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, I'm guessing it's done in order to, you know, prep for the, the new film. And who knows if there'll be a, a new spinoff following How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Yeah, that's it'll be interesting to see what lies in the future of There's a sparkly this white universe. One. That's what all I know. A bright fury. A white fury. Oh, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I love the design of that, that dragon from the trailers. This is Burke. Life here is amazing. Dragons used to be a bit of a problem, but now they've all moved in. Did I tell you that you look amazing today? Because you do. And with Vikings on the backs of dragons, the world just got a whole lot bigger. Yes, I think mostly my conflicted feelings about this movie. I mean, ultimately, I I do think it's a great film, uh, much like the first one. Um, but there's just yeah, yeah. some incongruity tonally throughout the film that just you know raises conflict between the very broad um, comedic style and the uh, cartoon style of, of the film, uh, along with the content that that really is trying to be uh, dramatic and um serious in tone yeah yeah that's kind of the biggest point it just uh, i would say it just slight incongruity with how epic they want it to be and and it just uh, it can't quite um but like it's yeah it's such a it's such a less annoying incongruity than in like i don't know a lot of other movies where you just you watch them and they want to be amazing and you're just like oh that that movie sucked like these so far from suck i mean like and the yeah. trainer dragon too even though it, even though it doesn't i like i'm not like wildly in love with it as much as i would want to be it's still it's just awesome i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we listen to the commentary and and there is just so much attention paid to all the details uh, that make this film into just a very solid um, cohesive piece of art and that's what ultimately makes a a great film i hope the last one is i hope they it's a little longer maybe so that they have more time so like it it feels less crowded and that it's more character driven because like with you know Jody said I I am really in, like invested in these characters uh um like Astrid and Hiccup and and his mother now like even though I maybe thought like I, I don't I, we were fine with her just because like in the first movie his mother not being around was kind of a throwaway thing like she apparently had giant breasts that had horn helmets on them like it was pretty easy to assume that Hiccup's mother who was eaten by a dragon is pretty much just a female stoic um, and like, that was a fine, that was fine. And then they made her this really interesting, cool person. And I am looking forward to see how she is utilized in the next mm-hmm. film. Um, what she does and, um, mm-hmm. what they, what they learn and what they discover and maybe 
to have a villain kind of like Drago, but who maybe is more active and maybe just the stakes are and feel a little bit higher kind of from the beginning, but, but also maybe not. I mean, maybe, maybe it won't be a very like villain driven. Maybe it'll be kind of like a Star Trek, the next generation where it's just Mm -hmm. a fun, there's something really interesting about watching these dragon riders discover things. Like, I don't know. I, and I mean, I, I think you can make a good movie that isn't a very, isn't like a super linear good versus evil plot. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would love, who knows? Well, who we knows? saw that in Wreck-It Ralph, uh, like Ralph saves the internet. Like they didn't really have like a villain throughout the movie and it was still a really good story. Very true. Good point. Yeah, this this movie probably ultimately would have benefited from greater focus on just the main uh, conflict, and and it would have probably been more dramatic for the dragons to have had certain marks against their past, with you know the fact that they had been responsible for the death of of Hiccup's mother. I mean, I think that just adds more dramatic weight to everything if he is a victim of the dragons and yet is able to bridge this divide. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You know what would be, okay, I just, I think I just realized something that would like help a lot that I didn't even occur to me we haven't seen in the movies because I don't know, but you never see a dragon eat anyone. No. No. You never see a single human be actually attacked or killed or maimed. They just by a dragon. act really threatening. Yeah, you're right. They don't ever. Yeah. You see animals getting eaten, um, and fun fact: in the first movie, there one of the creatures being carried to the queen dragon is the hippo from Madagascar. <laughs> one of the one of the <laughs> animals. Oh my gosh! No yeah. way. You can only really see it in silhouette. Um, oh. But, that's funny i missed that completely but and and also one thing i noticed like where are the horrific burn scars on these people are they half of them I should know. Be. yeah yeah and that that right it's all just the, like the graphic the cg the art the texture the aesthetic it's all so amazing and wonderful and then there are just these holes we forget where, those holes I was going to yeah. say, I wasn't thinking of any of these things before I talked to you guys, because I feel like you have more of a critical eye, because I was so blown away. Like, I wrote a couple notes, and all I wrote was like, oh, so beautiful, oh, so beautiful. But you're right, there's a lot of, like, things that they just get to glaze over, because the animation and the CGI just sort of, like, carries the film. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I mean... And you're right. You're right, though, too. Like, you are right. This movie's amazing and stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Unquestionably. Um, yeah, you talk about fridge logic. Well, this is kind of more like glacial uh, oasis logic. <laughs> for those in the audience who don't know, what is fridge logic? Um, when you're going to the fridge after you've just watched a you know a show or a movie, and and or you're think, going to a fridge a week or a month or a year after watching something yeah on on unspecified amount of time after experiencing you know some type of story you know whether through film or tv or novel I mean, and then you think about a detail that just um that gives you pause 
and and you wonder oh why why did that <laughs> you yeah, open the fridge door and then suddenly think wait what happened how yeah. did that work how does this make sense like how <laughs> i've never heard of this before in my mm -hmm. life oh i love that fridge logic yeah huh. and, and the, the fridge for these movies as with much of animation is is more of like a industrial grade you know, meatpacking plant <laughs> worth of um, WTF, what the fridge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like how, I mean, I, I get that they keep rebuilding the village of Burke, but if there's truly been a war between, a th I mean, it seems like the dragons outnumber the humans, honestly. And even if they didn't, like dragons are they bigger and can breathe fire. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. just absurd from the get go. But and um, and I kind of like the idea that they the humans are kind of dwindling on Burke, like most other tribes. I, I mean, Hiccup makes reference in the first film, you know, how most people would leave a place like Burke, but the reason the Vikings don't is just because they're sturdy and stubborn. They're just that's just built into them. Yeah, I mean, I know maybe like Drago, like obviously he wanted to, like conquer he wanted to conquer but like maybe if he had come from clearly very far away and it was just very clearly stated like i discovered like the alt the the special secret magic formula or whatever it was to defeat the dragons once and for all because of what they're doing to the human race like you know maybe he had a personal then he did have a personal vendetta i don't know it just wasn't as yeah yeah, because he he has that great scar with his, uh, you know, the missing arm. Missing arm, yeah. Um, and and uh, over his face. Yeah, if if he can't control the dragons, then his motive would be to kill them. You know, the fact that there are only a, f a handful of kids that are uh, Hiccup's age in that whole village, you know, to me it seems like a sign that the dragons are were slowly winning and. Uh, the Vikings were losing to attrition. Having a repopulation problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we do see in this movie uh, several kids throughout the village now. They made some babies in the five years since the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that definitely, if, if Burke was kind of on the verge of uh, obsolation, the, you know, they've since rebounded. Maybe they should take the the human dragon reconciliation and forming relationships even even farther and introduce <laughs> the race of dragonborn, which is half human, half dragon people. I would I, love the third one to be like that. That would yeah. be the most interesting one of them all. The whole theme of the <laughs> we're more than friends with the dragons now. <laughs> I don't want to begin to think about how that would work. But, but can you imagine the creative animation that would go into creating these? Like Donkey and Dragon. In yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not new to DreamWorks. <laughs> it, it is, there is a precedent for it. <laughs> precedent. Uh, but I think that would make the plot even busier. And I think our review is it was a little too busy, beautiful, but busy. So maybe they should leave that out of it. Let's just Maybe. let's just say that the you know dragon human connection that we see in these other properties like Skyrim and uh, Game of Thrones is is a purely like a psychical emotional one you know that is purely because dragons have the ability to you know communicate telepathically and um, 
so they can merge the the psyches with humans and that's oh, yeah, what allows well, maybe it starts there now but then what happens when it's a slippery slope philip you start first you first you make peace with dragons then you become friends with dragons and where does it end tell me where does it end <laughs> maybe the villain of the third one is is a, a, a son of a, a male so instead of a son of a, a dragon and a human crossbreed so the plot so far has been like dragons and humans can never be together um and we should try to either bring them together or destroy them so then the villain in the third one is like dragon human love and friendship is a bad thing inherently and needs to, and because look at me i'm an abomination and i hate myself and i don't want this to happen to anyone else well we That's could explore the boundaries That's, yeah, yeah. The, the limits of where this uh dragon human kinship should go because you know love uh should have boundaries <laughs> and uh you know you can have can you too much of a good thing podcast, love should have boundaries <laughs> love <laughs> please do <laughs> yes um, um uh drago is basically a dovahkiin which is kind of cool he does like his two his uh one move is is to shout at the dragons in order to control them these are now skyrim references jody Nope, I'm lost. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> yep, where a, a hero has the ability in his blood to speak the dragon language, which is called the voice or the thum in Draconic. Mm -hmm. um, and with the power of the voice, he's able to not only speak to dragons, but combat them and use their powers, like breathe flame and uh, other things. So uh, yeah, so Dr uh, Drago just shouts freakishly and waves his stick and with that is able to control a five million ton bewildered beast so one thing dawson and i didn't mention from the previous movie was uh the that key moment at the end when hiccup realizes he he lost a leg yeah that uh i was just really a, a stunning cool moment when i first saw it in theaters uh and is well, yeah, you know, you just don't you don't see people take on personal bodily consequences like that that much in animation. So, mm -hmm. really, um, yeah. Well, what that moment did was allowed for the action of the film to like maintain uh, momentum into you know to the end. Sometimes with movies, you get that big climactic moment and it just deflates. Uh, whereas, you know, having something like Hiccup, you know, discovering, you know, he's got this whole new obstacle to deal with in his life, you know, that uh, something for the audience to really grab onto and, and it worked right. really well. Um, he went into the, he went into the belly of the beast and came out with something like something lasted from that. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't just happen and it was over and move on. It was, um, and on that note, like thinking now about the second one, I mean, he never, I never noticed in any of the animation where that seemed like a detriment to him or a disability to him. I mean, he was still walking on the backs of dragons. Yeah, I think he only brings it up once when he's um, showing his mother or talking to his mother about yeah. hmm. having a peg leg, but he didn't have an obvious limp no, or like nothing like that that you can um, see throughout the movie. Yeah, and it creates uh, continuity between him and Toothless as well. Yeah. Um, like they've both been 
Mm-hmm. Both have had injuries mm-hmm. and disfigurements. Um, you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect hero. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Spielberg did have a, a role with these films. Um, he's, uh, of course, one of the chief executives of DreamWorks. Um, and he did suggest the... Is he? The moment yeah yeah um in fact the the full name of dreamworks is uh dreamworks animation skg the skg stand for spielberg katzenberg and geffen after uh, steven spielberg jeffrey katzenberg and david geffen the founders and so uh dreamworks you know they, they mentioned in the commentary that spielberg uh, saw the film four times throughout the creation and uh, mm-hmm. gave several notes. Um, from the first one, uh, one of the notes was that um, Toothless be present during Hiccup's um, awakening at the end of the film and, and his discovering that he has a missing leg. They um, felt that it, just, it would add, it would make the relationship between Hiccup and Toothless more um, of a friendship than like a pet master type relationship every i every time harry goes to the infirmary and harry potter and wakes up surrounded by friends uh it's that's always a great like character building scene it's just something really comforting and reassuring and cool to see like your friends there like supporting you and whether he's gotten his arm broken or his broom broken or what have you so it happens quite um, a bit too (laughs) it does (laughs) end up there a lot um anyway yeah uh in this movie it was during stoic's funeral uh spielberg suggested that hiccup uh, have a a brief monologue um where he's sort of grappling with the responsibility of, of being chief well they tried to have that all conveyed wordlessly but it wasn't wasn't enough so they needed to have him say stuff which, which i think worked well that and that was sort yeah. of the through line to the final moments of the film. I bet you think you know a lot about dragons. Let me show you some of what you don't know. Can I know you? No. You were only a babe. But a mother never forgets. How to Train Your Dragon 2 cost around uh, 145 million to make, uh, earned, earned around 600 million worldwide. Yeah, these are incredible <laughs> feats of filmmaking. It's amazing to listen to the commentary and like hear these voices and they sound like normal people, mm-hmm. but they're playing with $145 billion for a living. Like for a million, million, million. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of think about it. again with the commentary because I feel like you guys got a lot of uh, insight on it that I didn't. Well, it's one of the quickest ways to get a little insight on the process of making the film. Um, For the third, we'll all have to go in with our only our own ideas and our own. Yep. Ideas. No cheating. No cheating. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that I'm looking. I'm looking forward. I'm to looking that, forward to it. Even if the plot is horrible, I'm I'm excited to see how the animation oh, is no and how much it's improved even since this most recent one. Because it's just I know it's going to be beautiful no matter what. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, Chris Sanders was one of the co-directors of the first film. He's no, he was not a director on the sequel uh, because he had gone on to work on the film, The Crudes. Oh, it's the sequel. Uh, for DreamWorks Animation. Yeah. So just hmm. Dean DeBlois is the credited uh, director. So that was our review of How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, thanks, guys, for, for contributing to the podcast. This is the Thodcast, conversations about animation. I'm Phil Falke. I'm Dawson. And I'm Jody. Hey, hey. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit all. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this has been really fun. A little all over the place, but. um, It's going to be 14 minutes long. (laughs) It's going to be like, (laughs) cut everything out. It's going to be great. All right. Thanks for listening.